this last summer, I had a chance uh, with my family. We got to go to Mexico. We went to Cabo, Mexico for about seven or eight days. It was a really beautiful time. But as you know, the world in which we live in is a little bit different now because of COVID. COVID has kind of created a little bit of headaches here and there when it comes to traveling, when it comes to being around people and all, all those things that we've all experienced for the last couple of years. And so one of the requirements for when you, uh, when you come back from a foreign country into the United States is that you have to have a negative test in order to come back into the United States from Mexico. And so, you know, we had a great vacation. Our vacation was winding down. And so we showed up and we, uh, we got our tests done, our, all our COVID tests done. And, and it takes, they say that it takes about 24 hours to get them. So we did it about two days before we were supposed to leave. And uh, we got them done. We got all the PDFs. Uh, that they send. And then what you have to do is you upload these PDFs to this app called Verify. And so then Verify passes you through. So then you can skip all these steps when you get to the airport. So you can just pretty much come straight home. And everything was was really well, except that on my mom's PDF that they sent, they sent her name as Linda Marie and her name is Linda Marie Sorg. They forgot four letters on her on her name. And so and so the night before I was uploading our stuff to make sure that we were good to go, you know, I was good to go, Jackson, Carter, my wife, we were all great. We were all easy to go. But there, my poor mom sat with no last name, no, no identity, you know, or, or so to speak. And it was just a typographical error because when you get your COVID test, you have to give them the pass, their, your passport. They write down all the numbers. They take care of all that stuff. So it was just an oversight. And so emailed the country, emailed the company over and over and over again, you know, hey, what, what are we going to do kind of thing. And. And, 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 and luckily, luckily, we got it resolved. Luckily, it was able to be resolved, and she was able to prove her identity, prove her negative COVID test so she got to come home or didn't get to stay or however you exactly want to look at it. And I know what some of you are saying. You're like, see, that's why I don't travel. That's why I don't go places like that. It's just a big headache. You're right. There are a lot of headaches out there when it comes to traveling, but there are so much cool things that you can do to experience that, that COVID has kind of robbed us of at times. So, so to kind of go through the loopholes at times and deal with those headaches, you know, it's, to me, it's worth it. To me, it, it's kind of worth those things um, to be able to go and share those things with my family, to have views like this, especially, I mean, today's going to be 60, so it's going to be beautiful. But, but the reality of the situation is, is earlier this week, it was chilly and cold. And so I wanted to think about these nice, warm places that you get to be in, in the sandy beaches and stuff like that. Um, as Christians, proving our identity, sometimes it, it, it's a difficult task. Sometimes... Sometimes we rely on our identity. We try to prove our identity by, by uh, realizing that we think that our identity is who we are or what we do. And so uh, we think it's performance-based. We think sometimes our identity as followers of Jesus is performance-based or it's role-based. Or maybe it's whether or not society or culture defines you in a certain way is, is who you are. But as Christians, we need to take comfort. We need to take reality. We need to hold on to the truths that our identity is found in who Jesus tells us that we are, who God says that we are. You see, a lot of times we think that our identity is a mom because we're a mother, or we are a daughter, and so our identity is that of a daughter or a son. Or, or maybe we find our identity in things like uh, where we work. We find uh, all, all our identity is in what we do. You know, maybe you in childcare and you're watching kids. Maybe you're, uh, that's what you think your identity is. Maybe, maybe sometimes you think your identity is in your successes. Maybe for some of you, it's simply just 
you know, if I have enough money, you know, then I'm rich and then that's my identity and that's who I am and that's awesome. Or maybe it's your successes in life where where you are able to triumph over something, where you're able to be a winner at something. And so so you kind of buy into the lie that you're a winner and that's that's what your identity is and that's and that's what it is. But that's not necessarily who you are. Those are circumstances that surround you. Those are areas in your life in which in which you can uh, there's areas in your life in which you can hold on to, but that's not necessarily who you are. You see, so many times we think that society has to define who you are. You think that that uh, 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 your your affirmation of of who others think you are is who you really are, and the reality of the situation is 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 we are who God says that we are, and I know that that seems kind of easy or simple for some, but it's a really, it's a really hard thing that we grasp with at times. It's, it, our society struggles with this idea at times that our identity is found in Jesus. Our identity isn't found in our work. It isn't found in what we do. It isn't found in our family. It isn't found in our roles. It isn't uh, found in if our sports teams win. It isn't found in if we win. It isn't found in any of that stuff. It's simply found in what God says we are. As, as a lot of you know, uh, I, I get to help out at Victory Christian Academy a couple days a week, and I go and help uh, for a couple hours. I do some PE with them. And one of the things that I've really worked with those kids on is not only, you know, playing games and teaching them different sports, but but the idea of who are you? Who are you? And so every time is, is uh, and if Brindley was here, she would t- she could probably tell you, but after the end of every class, I'm like, who are you? And I switch it up about every quarter, and like, it's, they have to repeat God's masterpiece. So I'll say, who are you? They'll go, God's masterpiece. I go, who are you? They'll go, wonderfully made. I go, who are you? the child of God, you know, because I want them to begin to realize in their lives that's who they are, that it isn't about uh, 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 what the world tells them they are. It isn't necessarily about what even they feel, but it's about who God says that they are. This afternoon, uh, I'm going to go back up to Ames here in a couple hours, and I'm going to watch Jackson. He's going to play some basketball. He, he, uh, they played yesterday uh, until like 10 o'clock last night in Ames. And, and they went 3-0, and and so now they're in the semifinals of the state tournament, if whatever you want to call that, however you want to say that, we can talk about it later. But that's where they're at. They're in the semifinals. They win one game, they'll get to go to the finals and everything like that. Win or lose, the opportunity that I'm going to have to pour into the identity of those kids is going to be, is, is what I look forward to. I want those kids to realize that if they don't win, that's not, they're not a loser. If they win, that's great. Celebrate, have fun. But you're deeper and bigger than this sport. Because this is who God says that you are. And so today, that's what I'm going to do, regardless of, of, and that's usually what I do each and every tournament. Is I, I pour into them and help them to realize and encourage them that they aren't who uh, necessarily, they might be feeling down, they might be discouraged, they might be disappointed that they lost, but you're not a loser. That doesn't define you. This game doesn't define who you are. So what does? What can we do? Ephesians chapter 1, it's so important. It's, 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 there's so many great scriptures when it comes to our identity in Christ. But I want to read through these a little bit with you right now. So this is Ephesians 1. Praise be to God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, who has, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us to the one he loves. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us this mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. And in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a, mark, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteed our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Guys, there is so much truth in those scriptures. I, I read through that, and we could peel back the layers of each and every verse, and we could spend eight weeks on just that section of scripture and, and applying it to who we are in Jesus. I tried to highlight some of them for you, the, of some of the things in which just in the scripture, it tells us who we are. You know, it, it tells us that we are blessed. It tells us that we were chosen. It says that we are to be holy and to be blameless. He says well, we're predestined. We're adopted. Uh, we have grace. We are loved. We have redemption. We are forgiven. Think of all these things. This is your identity. This is who you are in Jesus. Is you are redeemed. You are bought for and paid for for a price. You are you are forgiven. You are blameless. You are adopted into the family of God. That is your identity. That is who you're supposed to be living for. And because of your identity and because of that, we get to give up control. In our lives, we get to give up control. And listen, I understand we try as human beings and as me included in this sermon is we try to control every aspect of everything in our lives. We try to control our children. We try to control where they go and what they do and, and where they're going to go. We try to, to guide them. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't discipline your kids. You shouldn't guide your kids. You shouldn't do any of that stuff. Absolutely, you should do that. But there becomes a time, there's a fine line sometimes between doing that and controlling. And we have to find that opportunity because our identity is in Jesus. And therefore, we do not have to control everything. We do not have to juggle everything at work. We do not have to control our work relationships. We do not have to control everything when it comes to that. We don't have to because we know who is in control. A few things about truth, a few truths about control that we need to know. Simple this is, is this, is the more you seek control, the less control you actually have. You see, control is an illusion. It really is. Nobody knows Nobody, God knows what's going to happen next. Nobody here knows what's going to happen next. We think that we're going to control things, but the reality of the situation is we don't know what's going to happen next. We can have educated guesses. We can think. We can draw conclusions. We can kind of know and think that we know. But the reality of the situation is control is an illusion. We can't really control. And so the more that we control, the more that we seek is really the less control that you have. The more we lose control, the more that we try to control. The more, that, or the more we lose control, the more we try to grasp onto it even tighter and, and smother it and, and squeeze it because we're losing it and we're, and we're losing that, that kind of security that comes with control. The more control you seek, the more you push God out of your equation. The more that you're trying to be in charge, the more that you are trying to, to, to do that and, and, and to lead, is the more that you kind of push God out of that side because you're trying to just smother it and keep it and, and, and dictate it every, every situation. 
You see, when we moved into our house, it was a foreclosure, and one of the things that 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 wasn't ever maintained was our yard. And so I, I would look at my neighbor's yard, and I, I could swear that like he would go out there with like a ruler and just scissors, and it would be like a putting green every single time. And I look out my yard, and I got dandelions and a dead spot here, and then there's a really big patch of grass over here, and then there's what looks like grass over here. And so I would spend so so much time like trying to get it figured out and trying to, to, to get it to look a lot nicer. And, and I did get it to look a little bit better, but this fact of the situation was frustrating me because I could never get it quite to look like my neighbor's yard. And, and part of it was because I had kids and we had a trampoline and, you know, one half our yard had, had, uh, had a sprinkler on the trampoline. And so that grass grew pretty well, you know, because there was water over there. And then on our other half of the yard, apparently we had home plate, you know, and so there's a big bare spot that, that's sitting there. And so there's just, there was just the more that I tried and I, I just like, Ah, uh, this isn't the station in our life. We're good. And, and just to give up the control of, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work. But you want to have the antidote to control. You want to realize, and it's very simple, it's trusting God. You trust God. In Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. All right? So, so you want to have the antidote to the controlling of the things in your life, to your kids, to your family, to your work, to the circumstances in your life that you have uh, no control over, to, to the illnesses, to the things in which you're struggling with, to the issues that you're trying to control and take advantage of? It's trust. It's trust. Very simple. But, but I want to preface this by saying this. Trust does not eliminate you from any responsibility. Because we have this idea that, oh, I'm just going to trust God and, and sit there. That, that doesn't necessarily hold true. There's, there are times when you have to trust and you have to wait and you have to be patient. But there's also times where you need to take some steps. You need to trust and you need to work towards some stuff. For example, think about this. If your marriage is struggling and you, you're, you're fed up with your husband or you're fed up with your wife and your marriage is in a difficult situation, and if you're just going to wake up every day and say, I, I, you know, and not work at it yourself, not working at the things in which you can change, not working at your response, maybe not even getting counseling and stuff like that, and you're just going to be like, sit there and do nothing, it's probably not going to get any better because nothing is changing in the situation. There's no variables that are taking place. Or maybe it's financial. Maybe, maybe you realize that you're in a lot of debt. You, you're not budgeting. You're all those things. I mean, you're, you can trust God for your finances, and he'll provide for you what you need, but you still have a responsibility to be a good steward in those situations. You still have a, 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 a responsibility to make sure that you're spending your funds on the things in which you need to be spending, that you're budgeting, that you're thinking things through. All of these areas. Um, um, when it comes to parenting, you have a responsibility to guide and teach and direct and, and your children. You can't control every aspect of their lives, but you have a responsibility for that. It doesn't negate you from having a responsibility. You can do everything you can do, and then you let God do the rest. You take it. If you can go 70%, you take it 70%, and you let God do that 30%. If you can go 10%, you go 10%, and you let God work in that 90%. You do what you can do, and you let God do the, do the rest. But you want to get rid of the control in your life? The antidote simple. Trust God in every aspect of your life. Number two, because our identity is in Christ, we can, we can give up the desire of the approval for others. You see, we are adopted by God in that scripture that we just read in Ephesians 1. It says that we are adopted by God. And what's crazy, what's interesting about this idea of adoption is, is in, in context of, of what was taking place in 
that time period with, with that Paul was writing to is if you were adopted into the family, if you were if you were adopted, you were seen as as a, a legitimate son or a legitimate daughter, and so your inheritance was 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 just as equal as someone of the son or as another person in the family. It wasn't like oh here's our biological ones and here's our adoption ones. No, it was all the way together. And in fact, I was reading this week, which is kind of crazy. It just kind of came up, but I saw. Uh, there was an article about adoption, and in some states in the United States, um, when it comes to your inheritance, when it comes to your will, you can write out, you know, your biological kids out of your will. But if you adopt kids, there's some states that prohibit you from writing them out because they, because, and that just proves that the idea of adoption is you are part of this family that you don't need to have the inclusion of other people. You don't need to have the approval of other people. You simply realize that you are adopted by God and you are in his family. And that's what's so incredibly important. You see, a lot of times we, we, it's easy for us to, to identify areas of peer pressure in our lives. Uh, I, I, like, for example, when I was in high school, you know, people wanted to be like, hey, you, why don't you come drink with us? Why don't you come do this stuff? For me, it was easy not to do any of that stuff. I, I don't know why. It just was easy. No, that wasn't really bad. That wasn't really hard. But sometimes peer pressure at our age is, or as we get older, it's a little bit more subtle than just that. It's a little bit more, a little bit more different. And so maybe you seek the approval of others because, and this is some steps in which you can think of, do you, any of these ring true in your life that you think the approval of others? You worry about what other people think. You worry about what other people think in your life, about the decisions that you make, about this or that. You worry what others think. Or maybe the next one is you're often too sensitive. Maybe you send a text to somebody and they don't respond within like, you know, 20 minutes. You're like, oh, no, that person's mad at me. Oh, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? What's going on? Or, or you, you know, we get a little sensitive on those things. And maybe that's because we want the approval of others. It's natural for all of us to want to be liked. It's important for us. We have that natural inclination. But because our identity is in the family of God, these are some things that we don't have to live for the approval of others. Maybe you compromise your values. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you hesitate sharing your faith because you're worried that what if you offend somebody? What if you really offend somebody and, and you don't really want to turn them off and so you just be quiet and you hesitate on sharing your faith? You're not being true to who you are and who your identity is. Or maybe you have a hard time saying no. You know, listen, the, the thing is, is it's important for us to live for eternity and not for the approval of others. You see, living for the approval of others is just temporary. It's just a, a chance for you to fit in for that moment. But if you want to live for the approval, if you want to live uh, like your identity says, as a child of God, as adopted into the family, you're going to live for eternity. Because our identity is in Christ, we can give up feeling inadequate. You see, oftentimes we feel inadequate. You, you look at yourself and you compare yourself to other people and you feel like you're not good enough. You, you, and social media does this to a T. You, you get on uh, uh, social media and you compare yourself and, and heard this, and I've probably shared this multiple times, but you compare your behind the scenes to someone's highlight reel. You, know? you, you compare yourself to that perfect family and that mom that always has supper on the table at the right time and the family sitting around, you know, all, all the time. Or you, or you compare yourself to uh, 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 the way that somebody looks or that person always has their nails done or whatever it is. And you compare yourself to that person and you don't realize that that's their up front. They're, that's not their, that's their highlight reel. You're not knowing what's going on behind the scenes. And so when you compare yourself, you oftentimes you feel inadequate. 
you feel like you're not good enough. Or maybe you go over to someone's house and their house is just immaculate. And you're like, what in the world? How do they have time to have this house so clean? You know, I'm working jobs. I'm getting my kids places. You know, I, I don't have time for that. I, I work like we're always running a million miles an hour. And, you know, you, you sit down to this perfect meal and she has her hair done and her nails are done. And you're like, what in the world? Like, I can barely even have time to take a shower during the day. And here we go like that. It's, it, it, stop feeling inadequate. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Realize that your identity is, is in God. Now, please, please continue to take showers. That, that's important. Um, don't, don't get it that way. Don't just give up completely But for, the, for the, all of our sakes. But the reality of the situation is stop comparing yourself to others. Maybe, maybe you look at someone and you, you look at, uh, uh, they have a Bible streak of like 5,000 days. And you're like, Dude, I can't even make it through a week on my Bible app, and this person is super spiritual, and it's so, I, I just fall so far behind, I don't understand, I'm just going to quit. No, stop comparing yourself to other. Realize that your identity is in God, and that you do not have to have these feelings of inadequacy, that you are adopted, you are a child of God. Outside influences will try to shape and affirm your identity by pointing out your inadequacies, sharing the fear of losing control, and, ha- and, and, and having the approval of others. But God says this about you, and this is important. This isn't just stuff in Ephesians, but this is so important. You want to know who you are? This is who you are right now. You are a new creation. If you are in Jesus, you are a new creation. You are forgiven, and your sins are washed away. We talked about that one earlier. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You are God's masterpiece. You are the light of the world. You are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ. You are joint heirs with Christ. You are Christ's ambassador. You are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are greatly loved by God. That's who you are. Those things are who you are. And that's what's so incredibly important. Don't get bogged down into what society says that you are. Don't get bogged down into feeling like your failures or your mistakes are who you are and they define you. Don't don't get into the trap of comparing yourself. Don't don't get into those things. Don't worry about it, but, but take hold to the truth of who you are. Because that's what's important. As the worship team comes back up, would you bow your heads with me for a second? Would you think about that question? Who are you? Have you bought into the lies of this world? Have you bought into this idea that that you have to prove your identity, that you have to uh, that you have to simply uh, be what you are, what that your roles and the things that you do is your identity? Or have you taken hold of the truth? The truth that says. You are God's child, that you were adopted by God. Father God, would you reveal the truth to us in our lives? Would you show us the areas in our lives where we don't trust you, that we feel inadequate, that we don't feel good enough? that we try to compare ourselves to others. God, would you just remind us of the simple truth?
are 